Within the church calendar, today is known as Christ the King Sunday. But those things that we might imagine when we hear the word king, like crowns and scepters, palaces and servants, land and riches, have nothing to do with how we are to see Jesus. These words from Philippians 2 can perhaps give us a better picture of the type of king Jesus is. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. For Jesus, it wasn't about earthly wealth or glory or power. It was about service, especially service to ensure the care of the poor, the vulnerable, the hurting. Now, Jewish law had always been concerned about the needs of the poor and paid particular attention to widows and orphans, but Jesus took that much further than it had ever been taken before and actually preached to poor people that there was a place in God's kingdom for them. And of course, that kind of preaching, affirming those in the edges of society, those who had no power, was seen as dangerous. Why? Because the poor and the outcasts might actually listen. And they might rise up and overflow the authorities and attempt to bring in their promised kingdom by force. That's one of the main reasons Jesus was arrested. The powers that be, both Jewish and Roman, were scared. They had heard Jesus referred to as a king, and they were worried that he might be a real threat to their authority. And so at Jesus' trial, Pilate, the Roman governor, asked Jesus outright, are you the king of the Jews? And even though Jesus is clear to Pilate that the kingdom which he claims does not function like the kingdoms of this world, and even though Pilate believed his claim and finds no fault in Jesus, or should we say he finds in Jesus no direct threat to his power, for political reasons, he ultimately condemns Jesus to death and places over his head the record of the charge that was brought against him that he had claimed to be the king of the Jews. Jesus was a king, but he said his followers would not fight for him with weapons of war because to do so would have perpetuated the cycle of violence and violated the values that God's kingdom is built upon. Love and acceptance for all God's children and the rule of mercy. And so he used a bowl and a towel to show his disciples what kind of king he was and what he expected of his followers. Jesus was a king, but he knelt before his followers and washed their feet. So what are we to make of this strange kingdom where the king is a servant of all? And what does it mean for us? The parable of the sheep and the goats tells us that we fulfil our calling and are judged in our calling by our willingness to see Christ in the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick and the imprisoned. Jesus appears to be giving us here an agenda for social involvement. It's an area in which the church has long been involved. 
It's an area in which many of us already make our own personal contribution, but that is only part of the picture. The parable of the Last Judgment, when the king calls the nations to account, hints that some might well be in for a shock. A rabbi told his followers of a dream he had. He said, I went up to heaven in a dream and stood at the gates of paradise in order to observe the procedure of the heavenly tribunal. I watched as a learned rabbi approached and wished to enter. Day and night, he said, I studied the holy Torah. Wait, said the angel, we will investigate whether your study was for its own sake or whether it was a matter of profession and for the sake of honours. A righteous person next approached. I fasted much, he said. I underwent many ritual cleansings. I studied the Zohar, the mystical commentary on the Torah, day and night. Wait, said the angel, until we have completed our investigation to learn whether your motives were pure. Then a tavern, tavern keeper drew near. I kept an open door and fed without charge every poor man who came into my inn, he said, and immediately the heavenly portals were opened to him. Whatever you did for the least powerful, you did for me. Whatever you failed to do for the least powerful, you failed to do for me. This is about living by the rules of the kingdom that says that no one is beneath anyone else, no one should be excluded, and those that want one get a seat at the table. Our king, you see, reigns over all who have beaten down, been beaten down by life, who may even be on the edge of giving up the struggle. He tells us that when we find such people, we must pick them up and give them food and drink and shelter and clothing, that's about showing care in whatever form is necessary and through giving that care, give hope. To recognise the reign of Christ means to embrace the mission of Christ, our King, to heal the world. It means not being afraid to put an end to injustice, no matter how uncomfortable or countercultural it may feel to us. It means ensuring that the world around us is not a wasteland plagued with the horrors of sex trafficking or child labour or abusive sweatshops or social de degradation. Christ the King is a healer. To be part of his kingdom where all things are being reconciled through him is an invitation to join in on this work of healing the world. So as we acknowledge the reign of Christ today, I encourage you to reflect on what it means to serve not a king who dominates or conquers, but a king whose heart yearns for the healing of this world and who desires us as faithful subjects of his kingdom to join in on that mission.